If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter 20. I want to say it's so good to be here with you this uh, this evening. I almost said this morning, but this evening, this morning, I preached at Addison Church of God. God moved in a phenomenal way. And uh, Addison Church of God, for those of you that know Kip Box, that's his home church. He wasn't there. He actually is preaching in Alabama. As Jonathan shared with you a moment ago, I've been evangelizing now for 10 years, preaching 11 different states. 2018 by far has been my busiest year. I'm preaching every week for the rest of the year except Christmas week. And then in January, no time to stop but hit the ground running. In January, I'll be preaching in Arkansas, uh, Texas, and also a few other places. And I just found out the other day, this coming March, I'll be going to preach in the state of Michigan. Michigan for the first time. Amen. So pray it doesn't snow and I don't freeze to death. But uh, looking forward to a great time. I want to say I'm excited to be here with you tonight. Hate that Papa's not here. I know that he's sick. Tell him that I think about him, praying about him, and so glad to see you here tonight. And I'm excited to get into the word. Acts chapter 20. I'm going to read to you verses 7 through 12 out of the King James Version. The title of my sermon tonight is... Um, well, I'll tell you after I read the text. Acts chapter 20, look with me at verse 7. And upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow, and continued his speech until midnight. And there were many lights in the upper, in the upper chamber where they had gathered together. And there sat in a window a certain young man named Eutychus, you, something like that, being fallen into a deep sleep, and as Paul was long preaching, he sunk down with sleep and fell down from the third loft and was taken up dead. And Paul went down and fell on him and embracing him said, trouble not yourselves for his life is in him. And when he therefore was come up again and had broken bread and eaten and talked a long while, even till break of the day, so he departed. And they brought the young men alive and were not a little comfort. Here it is, Paul been preaching for a long time. A young man falls asleep and he falls to his death. So I want to talk to you tonight about don't fall asleep during church. Amen. Don't fall asleep during churches. I wrote my text and my title down, JT. I gave it to him and he looked at it and he said, don't fall asleep during church. He said, is that a note for me or your sermon title? And I said both. Amen. Evangel, if you would, please bow your heads with me here tonight. Lord, I pray that you just have your way. Lord, I pray you touch Papa, you touch every single person that's unable to be here tonight, whether they're sick, whether they're shut in, whether they're at work, traveling, or whatever the case may be. Lord, I pray you keep us all safe as we get ready to travel, Thanksgiving coming up later in the week. Lord, I pray that you will... Help us to understand that you are still in control. You still have a purpose and a plan. And Lord, though we may be here physically on a Sunday night, Lord, I pray that we all will be awakened spiritually. And Lord, that we will be tuned into the spirit and what it is that you are doing in this hour. Have your way here tonight, Lord, the evangel assembly of God. Let everybody ask, say amen. Amen. Paul was somebody that when you first began to read about him in the New Testament, you will see that his name is Saul. His life mission and goal was to eradicate the church. It was to stop the work of the church of Jesus Christ. This was a man that would drag men into prison, but not just men, but he would also do the same with women as well. This was a man that simply was radical about his mission, and he wanted to stop the work of Jesus Christ. How many of you know here in 2018 that there's a devil on the loose that is wanting to stop the work of the church. 
Amen. He's trying to silence us, trying to get, get us to give up, to quit, to say, forget this whole thing. And now it seems like more and more you have people that stand up behind pulpits every single Sunday, some of them collecting large salaries. But the truth be told, they're not really a man or a woman of God because they don't preach the word that it should be. They just want to preach a way in which it can grow their church and a feel-good message. But I want to tell you, truth be told, I've preached in big churches and all of that, and churches that had multiple campuses and services. And to be honest, it really didn't mean much to me. I don't care if I'm preaching to 5,000 or five people. Just give me some people that love the Lord, that are serious about his mission, and that want to be a part of what God is doing in the earth. How many of you know here in 2018, God still has a purpose and a plan? Amen. The last time I checked, God's right hand has not been shortened. He's not lost any power, not authority, and God has not changed. The last time that I checked, when I read in the book of Matthew chapter 28 and also Mark chapter 16, I will see that there's this thing called the Great Commission that was told to us to follow a mandate and mission by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It is not just a thought, it's not a suggestion, but it is a commandment for all believers and true Jesus followers to follow. How many of you know... Until they put us six feet under, till we go by the way of the rapture, we are called to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. One thing that is awesome about Saul, you will see how he is knocked off his high horse when he is traveling on the Damascus Road. And a light shines, shines down from heaven around them. And he says, and a voice speaks to him. And he begins to speak back to the voice. And the person speaking to him was Jesus. And from that moment forward, his life was changed. All because he had a radical encounter with Jesus Christ. Friends, I want to ask you here tonight, have you ever had a round, ra radical encounter with Christ? How many of you know when you have a truly, when you truly have a radical encounter, your life will be forever changed? Amen. Your life is no longer your own. It's not all about you, your dreams, your goals and ambitions, but simply it's about the desires of your heart. And simply when you are seeking after God, you will have the desires of your heart, not meaning so much that you will have materialistic things, but meaning that your desires will be his desires. I want to ask you here tonight, do you have a desire to share the gospel of Jesus Christ? Here it was that Saul, some time goes by, the man is filled with the Holy Ghost, and he begins preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is a man that didn't have to have an invitation. He would go and preach Christ in places that Christ had not been yet preached. First, he went to the Jews. Then he went to the Gentiles. This was a man that was a missionary. He was an evangelist. He was a church planter. He was a spiritual father going anywhere and everywhere to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. This was a man that was willing to leave all and forsake all. And he went through a whole lot, but he made up his mind come hell or high water. He was going to do what it was that God had called him to do. I want to ask you here tonight, is your mind made up to do what it is that God has told you to do? Here it is that Paul, he had been traveling, and he comes across some people, and the Bible says that he began preaching for a long time. It says in verse 7, he preached until midnight. Now, I don't know how long I'm going to preach here tonight, but I can assure you it's not going to be till midnight. Amen. If I preach that long, I probably would never get invited back. But here it was, he preached to them for a long time, realizing and understanding it may be a long time before he ever got to preach to these people again. Truth be told, he may never get to preach to them or see them again on this side 
of eternity. And so the Bible says that they broke bread when it says that together, talking about communion. They were in this upper chamber where there were many lights and they were gathered together. But a young man began falling asleep. I find this to be very fascinating and very interesting. I've been preaching the gospel for 10 years, and I've known this story my whole life from reading the Bible. But honestly, I never really thought about preaching a sermon out of it until I was reading it a couple of months ago. I find it interesting that you have Paul that is preaching, and while he is preaching, a man falls asleep during his preaching. I can tell you I've seen a lot of things in my day and times and traveling. I have seen people... I tell you, it's amazing the things you see while you're preaching. Some things I've seen I wish I did not see. I have seen people literally pull out their fingernail clippers and they begin to cut their fingernails in the house of God. And I think to myself, how disrespectful, but I guess that's between them and God. I've seen, I went to one church on a Sunday afternoon and a lady, she brought a dog in the church with her. And can I tell you, it was not a seeing eye dog. She had the little dog in her purse. And I'm thinking to myself, I hope this thing doesn't get Get out and start wandering around the church and leave little Christmas presents somewhere. I've seen a lot of crazy things. I've seen people pick their nose and thump it on the person in front of them. I've seen all kinds of stuff. I know some of you get nervous wondering about what your neighbor's doing behind you. But I've seen a lot of different things go on in church. But however, for the most part, I've never seen anybody fall asleep while I'm preaching because I'm so loud and boisterous. But here it is. Paul is preaching and this young man begins to fall asleep. The reason I find this interesting is because the man is in church but he's asleep while he's in church. Can I tell you, friends, that's one problem I believe that we have today in the North American church. I know how some people are on a Sunday night, maybe not at Evangelist Assembly of God, but in some churches. People show up on a Sunday night, the first thing they begin doing is looking around, wondering where everybody's at. Oh, they were here Sunday morning, but they're not here on Sunday night. And then they get home and they start Facebook and stalking everybody, seeing where they ch- seeing where they checked in and, and what they've been posting and then what they were doing while they weren't in the house of God. Can I tell you something, friends? You Congratulations, you made it here on a Sunday night, and I mean that in all sincerity. I'm glad that you were here. As a matter of fact, it was a beautiful day today, not raining, not cold, a beautiful day, and I don't know about you, but there's no place I'd rather be than in the house of the Lord. But can I tell you something? We got to quit acting like that we are the, the patrol and wondering about what everybody else is doing and start focusing on us. Amen. See, one problem that we have is we have some people in North America that have been conditioned so much over the years to just be taught that as long as they show up, that's all that matters. Can I tell you, friends, you ought to be in the house of God every time the doors are open. I can remember me. I know it's hard to believe this now that I'm a preacher, kind of funny and ironic, but I can remember when I was a kid, I used to try to get out of church every time I could because every time the doors were open, the Gordon 3 was going to be there. We were on church. We were in church on Sunday morning, Sunday night. We were there on Wednesday night. My goodness, if we had a revival going all throughout the week, it didn't matter if I had sports, if I had homework, the Gordons were going to be there. So my my point is you ought to be a faithful member and be here every single time that the doors are open. But however, the thing that I want to focus on here tonight is we have people that come to church every Sunday, every Wednesday, and they think that that's the end all when simply that's not where it ends, but that's where it just begins. See, we have some people that are sitting in church physically, but they are spiritually asleep. I don't know about you here tonight. But I want to be spiritually awake and tuned in to the spirit of God. 
So here it is. Paul is preaching for a long time. Uh, the young man begins to fall asleep. Now, when you study that in the Greek, you have, you have room to believe, or should I say reason to believe, that he didn't just fall asleep instantly, but he was kind of fighting it, and he slowly began to doze off. Can I tell you, I drive a lot. I've driven to Texas three times this year and many other places. And thankfully, uh, glory be to God, the only time I ever get sleepy is normally in the wintertime whenever I have the heater on. And why is that? It's simply because I get all warm, I get all fuzzy, and the next thing you know, I slowly begin to fall asleep. Not instantly, but I, I notice I'll be driving, and all of a sudden I'm kind of nodding and kind of nodding. Then all of a sudden it's like I hear the warning track sound. It's like I perk up and it wakes me up. Can I tell you, friends, I believe that we have some people, they're spiritually asleep and they don't even realize it and it happens slowly over time. Can I tell you, friends, there is nothing worse than being spiritually asleep and not even realizing it. I want to ask you here tonight, isn't it hard how in the mornings when your alarm clock goes off, it's just so easy to hit the snooze button? Has there ever been a time before where you thought you hit the snooze button one more time and you really turned the whole thing off so you ended up being late to work? Some people have been hitting the snooze button so many times they're still spiritually asleep and they don't even realize it. But can I tell you, friends, here now tonight it's time to wake up in Jesus' name. Here it is that I ask the question, why did the young man fall asleep? We know that Paul had been preaching for a long time. He preached until midnight. I don't know exactly what time he started preaching, but the Bible literally says that he was long preaching. So here it was. I asked a question. Why did this young man fall asleep? It could be a couple of different reasons. One, perhaps maybe it could have been because he had been working that day and he was just tired, or perhaps it could have been something else. But can I tell you, friends, we must remain spiritually awake. I want to ask you the question. How are some ways that some people have become spiritually asleep or how are some ways that you can tell? One, I want to ask you this question. Used to when the Holy Ghost was moving through the service and during the altar call, used to where you used to be fast to respond or respond, but now you find yourself not responding at all. Used to, there was a time where the Spirit of God was moving, and you didn't wait for Pastor Langford or for Jonathan to give the altar call, but simply you didn't even wait for them to finish preaching, but you just felt the Spirit of God tugging at your heart and speaking to you. And the next thing you know, you got out of your seat and started walking down. But now, when the Spirit of God and the Holy Ghost is moving, the next thing that you've noticed, no longer are you responding to the altar, but you resist the Holy Spirit. You know what I'm talking about, where the Holy Ghost tells you to come and for whatever reason you don't come and the next thing you know you just stand there with your arms folded and you wonder why you ain't received a breakthrough and you wonder why you leave this place the same way that you that you were when you came in here but I want to ask you something here tonight are you spiritually awake used to when the Holy Ghost spoke to you and I don't just mean about responding to an altar but used to when he would speak to you did you listen to his voice and now you find yourself for one reason or another, you hear him speak, but the truth be told, you tune him out and you don't even care anymore. I want to ask you, church, are you spiritually awake? Because I don't know about you, but honestly, you know what my biggest fear is just for me personally? For me to travel and preach every single week and see God do awesome things in ministry in everybody else's life and me be spiritually asleep. 
what good is it if I travel around the countryside preaching to everybody else if I'm not even having revival myself? Can I tell you, church, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be set on cruise control. People always ask me ridiculous questions. And, and I tell you, people, they always say, well, Caleb, you're an evangelist. You don't have to deal with people. No, I have to deal with people more than you realize. But I want to tell you, people always like to ask me this question as if they think it's appropriate. Caleb, you preach in different churches every week. Do you preach the same sermon in different churches? And my first thought is it's really none of your business. But second off, if you really want to know, why don't you come and find out? But truth be told, I don't mind telling you or telling anybody else. You can judge me all you want to. Do I? Absolutely. Is it because I ran out of sermons? No, absolutely not. I could preach every day of the year. Truth be told, if I had to preach something different every single day of the year. But simply what I do, I just preach whatever the Holy Ghost tells me to do. I'm not on autopilot. My goodness, I'll share my testimony a thousand times. Somebody asked me one time, we've heard it a million times. Are you going to share it again? Don't tempt me or I will. But I'll tell you something. I pray about it every single time I go into the house of God. This morning, I preached to Addison Church of God, I said, Lord, give me a word for Addison. Here tonight, Evangel Assembly of God, I said, Lord, give me a word for Evangel. Addison Church of God, Evangel Assembly of God, two great churches. May need to hear two totally different sermons, but you know what I want more than anything? I just want to do what it is the Holy Ghost has told me to do. I want to tell you something. I'm so thankful for places that invite me back. Addison, it was my, my third time to preach there. Evangel, I lost count years ago, but I want to tell you, there's a lot of places I go, they had me one time, they never had me back again. One pastor told me these exact words. He said, Caleb, he said, we had you one time for revival. You did a good job. It's not you, it's us. He said, but you're too much for my church. And I'm thinking to myself, maybe that's all the more reason you need to have me back again. But I want to tell you something. I made up my mind a long time ago. I may not get invited back. Jonathan says something about me being a youth pastor, a college pastor. Truth is, I'm not cool enough. I'm not hip enough. Uh, my preaching style don't fit that. I know that some people don't like me. I know I'm loud. I know I talk fast, but I got over all that stuff a long time ago, and I said, God, I'm going to be who it is you've called me to be. They may not like me. They may not invite me back. They may not do this or that, but truth be told, I don't really care. I don't have time to play games. I don't have time to sugarcoat things. I don't have time to make everybody happy. Truth be told, you can't make everybody happy. My goodness, revelation for somebody. If Christ couldn't keep everybody happy, what on earth makes you think that you can but anyways I made up my mind a long time ago when I was in my early 20s God I'm gonna be who it is you want me to be sometimes I go to churches I preach way too long one time I got kind of wound up preached about an hour and 10 minutes now I know here at this church that's a short sermon for y'all so y'all don't think nothing of it but I went to one place I was preaching to about 12 30 in the afternoon we didn't get our service till 1 30 I'm thinking to myself probably not gonna get invited back and to my surprise they actually had me back. But you know what I want to have? I want to have revival. I'm not talking about something man-made. I'm not talking about something that, that, that plays on your emotions. Understand something. I'm not a motivational speaker. My goodness, if what I'm preaching to you tonight don't last any longer than 24 hours, it ain't doing you no good. But maybe you need to grab a hold of this thing and realize that God is trying to wake you up because God wants to spark revival. It's not something you have to wait for. It's not something coming down the road. But my goodness, the Holy Ghost wants to wake you up and move in you again here tonight. Someone said, well, you should have preached this on Sunday morning and more people are here. It's not a Sunday morning service or sermon. Can I tell you, 
It's amazing sometimes when, I, when I'm preaching some things, I can tell people don't even like what I'm preaching. Truth be told, not everybody wants to hear it. But for the ones that do, can I tell you, God's not done yet. Amen. And I believe here tonight, the Holy Ghost needs to wake us up again. You have people that are spiritually asleep that don't even realize it. They get on Facebook and all they do is fight and fuss with people about politics, about the NFL, about 10,000 other things. And they don't talk about God. They don't witness. They don't pray. They don't read their Bibles. They don't do nothing else. But simply they just want to fight about all the things on the earth. Might I remind you, the Bible says in the book of Colossians 3, 2, don't set your, your afflictions on things on the earth, but on things that are above. How many of you know if you're a child of God, you're supposed to be kingdom minded? I'm not saying those other things aren't important or don't matter, but I'm just simply saying God's first. And what I want to see, just me personally, is a great awakening. And understand, when I say that so many times people, that sometimes people they have mis, um, uh, thoughts or whatever the case may be about, about things like that because I'm an evangelist. Understand something. You know, uh, Azusa Street was way before my time. When Brownsville happened, I was a kid, but I don't remember, honestly, except watching YouTube videos. I'm not talking about some super great or long revival. Praise God for that. Hope another one happens. Hey, to be honest, I'd like to preach it if it does. But the truth be told, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about thousands and thousands of people. You can have thousands and thousands of people come together and nothing really happened in the first place all you got to do is just get a big name and everybody's gonna come out of the woodworks anyways but what I'm talking about I want to see a great awakening in the body of Christ so many times when people talk about this they only talk about young people they only talk about youth and teenagers I want to see one in my in kids my kids are twins they're seven years old I'm praying and believing God in the next year or two they receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost someone said that's too young no it's not too young if my kids can't receive it then why am I preaching on it but simply I'm believing that they will receive it why because I want them to understand at an early age this isn't something daddy just does as a pastime this isn't something he just does for fun but simply he believes that they can receive it and they can be an impact for the kingdom of God I want to see a revival amongst kids amongst teenagers amongst young adults uh, uh, amongst senior citizens and I'm talking about people that are retired I don't care if you're in a wheelchair if you're on a cane if you're disabled retired whatever the case may be as long as you have breath in your body as long as you're still here on this earth God is not done with you can I tell you here tonight the best is yet to come I know some people are wondering and talking about well evangels heyday and good day is, is past and a lot of people is left and all this and that I don't know what it used to be like don't really care I don't care if it's packed out or a few people the only thing that I want to see is some people that love God some people that are on fire for him some people that are sold out for him and his kingdom some people that will witness that will pray that will fast and one thing I've noticed in Pentecostal churches they might as well quit calling themselves Pentecostals because they don't allow the Holy Ghost to move anymore but they put him on a time frame and say he's got to move by this time he's got to move by 12 I had somebody recently in a Pentecostal church tell me Caleb you preach too long so I asked him out of, curios out of curiosity I said well how long do you want me to preach next time I really wasn't going to do it I was just asking to be nice 
twice. And he said, next time, if you could stay around the 15-minute mark, you'll be good. I'm thinking 15 minutes, I'll just get my vocal cords warmed up at that point. But you know what? I told the man, I said, I love you. God bless you. You're welcome to come any of my services or revivals. And if you have to get up and, miss, and uh, dismiss yourself in the middle of the sermon, it's not going to hurt my feelings at all. Do you know why? Because I didn't come for the people that want to remain spiritually dead. I didn't come for the people that want to stay the same. But I came for the ones to remind you the Holy Ghost is still alive and able. God is still moving throughout the earth. He's still touching people, still healing them, still delivering them. Can I tell you something? God is still delivering drug addicts. Broken marriages are being put back together. I want to tell you, friends, God has not changed. He's just looking for somebody that will wake up and allow God to do what God wants to do. Are you spiritually awake tonight? How are some ways that we stay spiritually awake? My friends, we've got to get into the word. I know it's so cliche and people get tired of hearing it that we need to read our Bibles and pray. I'll quit telling everybody to do it and everybody starts doing it. Amen. It's not complicated or rocket science. We know what to do. But at times, we just don't do it. But the truth be told, we can always do it more. Amen. I don't care if you pray three hours a day. You can always do more. The young man falls asleep during Paul's preaching. From the third off, which is the third story, and he falls to his death. You would have thought the service would have came to an end there, right? I mean, Alabama, we have a couple snowflakes. We call service off. Here it is. A young man falls to his death. Paul quits preaching. Not to get the funeral home procession started, but the Bible says in verse 10, and Paul went down and fell on him and embracing him, said, trouble not yourselves, for life is in him. Now, isn't it interesting in verse 9, it says he was taken up for dead. Can I tell you, friends, Paul didn't just look at the situation and say it's time to have a funeral. But he went down there, and the young man had life in him. Some of you here tonight, you've been spiritually asleep for so long. Truth be told, it may feel like you're spiritually dead. But can I tell you, the Holy Ghost wants to touch you here tonight. Has there ever been a time before where you felt like you were just in a spiritual rut? Just spiritually dead? Couldn't get a prayer through? For some reason, it's like you had a hard time raising your hands during worship when you used to not? used to be so passionate about sharing the gospel with the lost. And now it seems like you don't even think about it. Can I tell you, you don't have to have condemnation rule over you. Amen. You don't have to stay in that rut. I don't care if you've been there for months. I don't care if you've been there for 15 years. I want to tell you, friends, when the fire of the Holy Ghost touches you, you can come alive on the inside. Aren't you thankful to be Pentecostal? Isn't it amazing 
How when we have altar calls, we can just come down here and freely worship and seek God and nobody judges or think anything of us. Or simply, we can just come down and say, I'm spiritually dry, I'm spiritually dead, whatever the case may be. And you can have your brothers and sisters in the Lord anoint you with all eight hands on you. And all of a sudden, it's like instantly you receive your breakthrough. But can I tell you something, friends? Human effort is required. Amen. I'm going to give the altar call in a little bit. I'm not going to beg you. I'm not going to plead you. I'm not coming out to your seat, grabbing you by the hand and walking you down here. Some preachers do that, and that's totally fine. If they felt led, it's just not how I operate. Because I believe the Holy Ghost is a gentleman. He's not going to force anybody. And the truth be told, I could ask you all to come. I could go out there, snatch every one of you, and walk you up here. But at the end of the day, if you're not sincere, if you don't want it, there's nothing that I can do. As a matter of fact, it's nothing that I do anyways. It's all the Holy Ghost. But here it is. Life was in the young man. And when they came up again, they had broken bread, verse 11, and eaten and talked a long while. Now, Paul had already preached to midnight. Keep that in mind. Even till break of the day, so he departed. And they brought the young men alive and were not a little comfort. Can I tell you, friends? The Holy Ghost is alive and able, and he's still moving. I tell you, friends, one thing awesome about evangelizing is you get to see God do a lot of awesome things. But one thing that really deeply, deeply disturbs me more than anything is when I go someplace to preach, and people are responding to the altars and so radically on passionate, on fire for God. And then the next week, they act like God didn't even do anything. Can I tell you something? If the only time you respond to the altar and you allow the Holy Ghost to move is during a revival when an evangelist is preaching, you miss the whole thing. Amen. God can move in me. I don't care who's preaching. I don't care if it's somebody this great like John Roper. I don't care if you let a little kid stand up here with a microphone if they're preaching the word of God. My goodness, whenever I hear the word, my spirit comes alive and I feel the Holy Ghost moving in me. Can I tell you something? One thing that I've noticed in some churches and maybe not here, whenever there's certain type of music, certain type of songs, everybody will sit there and the service seems like it's dead, like it's boring, nobody cares. Oh, but you play everybody's favorite song. Then they stand up to their feet and all of a sudden they start worshiping. Let me remind you, get over yourself. Worship ain't for you. It don't matter if you like the song or not. Can I remind you here tonight? Worship is for God. Some people, they say things to me like this. They're like, well, there seemed like there was a damper on the spirit. Or it seems like there was a dark cloud or the Holy Ghost wasn't moving or this or that. I don't know what people were talking about. I always sit on the front row for a reason. I don't know what's going on behind me truth be told don't really care anyways I don't know if everybody's standing and worshiping I don't care if they're sitting there on their phones it don't bother me it don't offend me it don't hurt my feelings but I said God every time I come to your house I'm gonna lift up the name that's above every name I don't care how the service goes I don't care what anybody else feels or experiences my goodness I got the Holy Ghost inside of me and I'm gonna let it move in me every single time I come in these four walls but let me tell you something church it 
don't start when I walk in this place. To be honest, worshiping and preaching, this ain't something I do just once a week or a couple times. Truth be told, if you ever drive by my apartment, you'll hear me talking like this at the top of my lungs. I don't know if all my neighbors have gotten saved yet or not, but I tell you, they hear the word of God preached through the walls. I got to hear them so I make sure they hear me. I want to tell you something. I pray, I fast, I seek God, and I say, God, I don't care if everybody else is doing this. I don't care what everybody else is doing. Never let me become spiritually asleep. Never let me become dry. Never let the well dry up. I want to tell you something. You got to draw a circle around yourself and say, God, if you don't move in anybody else, I want you to move in me. Who wants to be a world changer here tonight? Who wants to see the lost come to know Christ? Who wants to see God do miracles, signs and wonders and things that we've only heard about? Things that we've only read about in the Bible. How many of you want to see God do the extraordinary? Starts with you. Amen. And I don't know about you, church, but I believe the best is yet to come. Are there any praying people in the house? I ask that you keep me in your prayers in this coming year. 2018, my busiest year evangelizing yet, 2019 is going to be even busier. And I just ask you, keep me in your prayers for safe travels so I get to and from. But pray with me that we see God move in an extraordinary way. Because that's what I want to see. Truth be told, I'm not like most evangelists. I don't judge services off this and that. To be honest, I don't really judge them, period. Somebody asked me one time, Caleb, what do you consider a good service or revival? I said, to be honest, I don't really think about it. And they said, you don't? I said, well, no. I mean, of course, ultimate goal is for people to get saved. Ultimately, it's not really up to me. If I'm preaching another state or city, I don't know the people. I can't just, you know, bring people to church or whatever. But simply, I want to see people get saved. I want to see them get filled with the Holy Ghost and allow God to move in their lives. I said, but simply, I don't base it off altar call response. Some people I've noticed in Pentecostals, they only base a service off how good it was by how many people come to the altar. Truth be told, when people come to the altar, I don't know if anybody got saved or not. Only God knows. I don't care if people fall in the floor. I've prayed with people, they fall out. And when I pray with people, I gently place my hand on their head. If they fall out, great. If they don't, I really couldn't care less. I don't care about that type of stuff. Only thing I care about is seeing people radically changed. I want people to realize and to understand that we're Pentecostal for a reason. One of my friends, one of my dear friends, Pentecostal preacher, Lives in another state. We were talking one day about sermon prep, and, and he was asking me, he said, Caleb, how do you put together sermons? And I was going down, and I told him. I said, the first thing that I do, just me personally, is I say I pray. And he said, explain that to me. I said, well, simply, I pray first for God to give me a word, and then once I know what God wants me to preach on, then, of course, I study the text. But the truth be told, I spend more time in prayer seeking what it is that God wants me to preach than I do on the actual sermon prep. And I told him about the importance and reminded him of the importance of praying in the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And he said, Caleb, he said, to be honest with you, I don't really do it that much anymore. And I said, why? He said, well, all the Pentecostal preachers around here told me it's really not that important. I said, you tell everyone of them, go jump in a creek. This is why I'm not a pastor. My tack is awful. I said, but listen, man. 
I said, the only reason you've made it to where you are is because of the Holy Ghost. I reminded him, the Bible says, the book of Romans, the reason we pray in the Spirit is because he prays on our behalf when we don't know how to pray. You know, sometimes you're praying in the Spirit, it seems like your mind is wondering. It seems like you keep thinking about random things. Maybe it's not random at all. But I want to tell you something, friends. We got to go into the prayer closet and pray till we feel power come on us. Amen. If you will, please stand as I get ready to close. There was a man this morning came down to the altar. He's a great worker in the church, great man of God. And he said, Caleb, he said, I read my Bible. He said, I pray. He said, I love the Lord. He said, I'm a hard worker in the church. But he said, I just need the fire back. And can I tell you, friends, before I even touched the man, the Holy Ghost did, and tears started running down his eyes. How many of you here tonight need the fire back? How many of you here tonight, truth be told, you've been spiritually asleep for a while? See, the truth is, friends, nobody knows. I don't know. God hasn't shown me anything about anyone particular in the sanctuary. Maybe your spouse doesn't know, but you know and God knows. But can I tell you, friends, here tonight can be your night. Allow the Spirit to touch you. Allow Him to move on you. Allow yourself to become sensitive to the Spirit again. That as He leads you and guides you, that you just follow and you obey. The reason that I preached this tonight was not by some coincidence. It's not that I don't think that y'all were a good church or that you don't love God because you're an awesome church and you do love God. But I feel in my spirit like the Holy Ghost is saying, wake up. Come out of your sleep. Come out of your slumber. I don't care if you've been saved for 50 years and speaking in tongues for 40. I don't care if you got a position in the church, who you are, your last name, where you came from. Here tonight, I feel like the Holy Ghost is saying, wake up. We're living in the last days. Everybody knows it. They talk about it. They preach about it. What good is to think about it if we're not going to do anything about it? Jesus is coming soon, and I don't know about you. I understand people are going to go to hell anyways, but I don't want people to go because I didn't warn them. I don't want you to live another second of your life not living up to your God-given potential. I don't care if you're a school teacher, what it is that you do. If you're a child of God and filled with the Holy Ghost, he wants to use you here tonight. You're not too young, but praise God, you're not too old. Here tonight, if you need what I'm preaching, I'm going to invite you right now to get out of your seat and come to this altar. Don't wait another second. Don't wait for them to start singing. Don't wait for me to put the microphone down. If this message was for you here tonight, I don't care if you're scheduled to sing. Whoever you are, I want to invite you right now to get out of your seat and come to this altar. You're not worried about a preacher touching you, but you're believing the Holy Ghost will touch you.